Hello everyone, it's me again, Sean Fit 50. We are about to get into our second episode of the Health and Sexy Show, again, where we learn how to be more proactive, to be more upfront with our health. And the way we are trying to get there is to find those reasons that motivate and propel us to make our health and well-being, our appearance, a priority in our lives. And like I've mentioned in the previous episode, my motivation, my point of um, attention, which led me to focus on my health, was my appearance. And I noticed that living a healthier lifestyle that included eating clean and um, exercising led me to look good. And I enjoyed that look, which inspired me to continue in my health and wellness journey. Um, before we get started today, I just like to mention one thing and one group of people that I tend not to like, but there, and you probably don't like this group of people either, but it's a reason why they are that way. We are sometimes that way, and uh, we're going to dive into why is that, and this group of people are know-it-alls. We all know um, someone or multiple people who we can classify or characterize as a know-it-all, someone who no matter what you say, no matter how strong your defense of a subject and argument may be, that person is going to consistently deny and refute whatever information you give to them and try to support it with some what appears to you to be just ridiculous assumptions to justify their way of thinking and like I said there's a reason why people act this way and it's a word that's being thrown around thrown around a lot today and a word that I kind of like and it's called cognitive dissonance cognitive meaning um, you know related to the way we think dissonance you know meaning lack of agreement and the definition you'll find or one of the definitions you'll find for cognitive dis dissonance, if you look it up on the internet, is you know it's a state of having conflicting beliefs or behaviors, and these conflicting beliefs or behaviors produce a feeling of mental discomfort that leads to alterations in the beliefs or behaviors to reduce the discomfort and restore balance. Meaning, when you hear something that doesn't agree with what you believe, it causes you to feel uncomfortable. And you search for reasons to uh, make yourself feel comfortable again by distorting what you believe, by distorting what you heard or were told, or just completely just blowing off the new information and, and writing that off as lies or um, untruths that you don't even incorporate in your calculation of what is true and meaningful to you. Um, a classical example that I like to use when I talk to people about cognitive dissonance has to do with politics. The American two-party system creates a lot, I mean a lot of cognitive dissonance among people where um, you have two opposing groups, a lot of times with two opposing beliefs, and people choosing one side or the other, and in order to maintain faith and trust in their side, they pretty much have to 
disavow whatever is being said by the other side. And sometimes this is in the face of overwhelming truth and reality. Yet um, you will see people when it comes to their politics really hold on to these um, unwavering, unreal um, beliefs that they possess. The same is with religion. And that's why you'll hear many people, including myself, unless you're very mature, you know, people will say I, two things I don't discuss. That's politics and religion. The reason why, you know, they can become very testy subjects to discuss, to talk about. And in the end, you're very unlikely to change the way that the person feels or the people feel, including yourself, with whom the discussion is being had. So it ends up being a, a really big waste of time and tempers flare and it can affect your relationships talking about subjects that are very touchy which people have deep ingrained beliefs that are unwavering despite um, new information despite the truth right there in front of them um, one of the most destructive places i think you can have this cognitive dissonance or um, conflicting beliefs that cause you to um, kind of make the situation suit you is when it comes to your health. You know, we have a saying, I have a saying, and I say it as often as I can to other people um, in relation to patients, the people we take care of. And the saying is, you know, the patients who do the worst believe they're smarter than their doctors. This is very simplistic yet um, a very powerful statement because I'd, I'd sometimes ask patients after explaining to them and hearing their reasons that they aren't going to comply or follow the instructions, I'd ask them what medical school did they graduate from. This seems to be a, you know, kind of a smart aleck comment, but I say it in a way that's very professional and, and in a way that they understand, you know, but they need to understand that is is imperative, you know, to follow those instructions and and the approach being used today is no longer effective. We can't do like they did in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and and before, which were quite a paternalistic period, and just kind of tell patients what to do and based on their respect for their physician or their nurse, um, expect them to do and to adhere to what is being told. People today feel a lot more freedom to do what they want I tell people as well, you know, this isn't China, this isn't Russia. You have a right. People have a right to deny care. They have a right to die the way they want to die. They have a right to do what they want to. Um, in the end, our job as healthcare professionals is to give them the information they need and unbiased information they need to make decisions based on their health. So why do these patients or these people believe you know quote unquote that they are smarter than their doctors you know it's, it's because of those conflicting ideas and beliefs and them trying to find a way to justify their current behaviors their current activities because it's comfortable to them and they you know don't want to change you know it's hard to change so you can find books you can find whole groups of experts who discuss the whole change process and resistance to change and everything that comes with that so why are they disregarding the um, advice of their healthcare professionals their doctors their physician assistants their nurse practitioners their nurses and 
going about in a way that is going to be not good for them in the long term in relation to their health, their longevity, the way they look and feel, um, and the secondary and tertiary effects that can come from this with the effects on their loved ones, their family, their friends, their job, um, people that depend on them because of this disregard. Well, the key thing to remember, again, going back to cognitive dissonance, is another word I like to bring up called ambivalence. This is my probably most favorite word when it comes to people not um, doing the things they need to do as far as their health is concerned. And what is ambivalence? Uh, similar to um, cognitive dissonance, is having mixed feelings. You know, people, no matter what the situation, have two choices, and those two choices are first and foremost in their mind. They can do what is recommended, or they can choose not to do what's recommended. And having these two conflicting choices, you know, and reasons that to, to pursue one or the other causes many people to continue to do the same thing because that is a valid option in whatever circumstance you may find yourself. You don't have to change. And you have many sound and reasonable arguments not to do that. Um, and you have reasons to change. And on that flip side of the coin, you have many sound and reasonable arguments to change. It's just in your mind coming up with the right reason, the right impetus, the right um, motivation to move forward with the change that is needed to, again, improve that quantity, quality um, of your life, as well as reduce the, those secondary and tertiary effects, those trickle-down effects that can happen to other people um, as a result of poor health, as a result of not complying, not doing um, the things that are needed to maintain a high state of health and well-being so you can have the least amount of complications and problems possible. Um, so again, you have those two choices. You can do um, what your health care professional requests of you, take medicine, eat healthy, you know, exercise more, or you can stick to this um, status quo. Those are the choices, and obviously we've all been there. It's a whole lot easier to do what you've been doing than to do something different. You know, we've been trained well at being the same old person, and it's very hard to make that decision to change, and it's even harder to go about that change process to be a different person, but this is where we and um, most of us need to be heading when it, in terms of, of our health and many other very important aspects of their lives. When people have this ambivalence and, and they tend to reach out, just like um, people when it comes to politics or religion, to people who have ideas that support their own. So um, a lot of times people will listen to their neighbors or listen to their mechanic their advice over their doctor's advice, and this is one thing I find quite striking, but one thing that I understand after years of interacting with people, doing research, talking with people, and going back to those two words we talked about already, cognitive dissonance and ambivalence, they're trying to reconcile these conflicting thoughts, these conflicting emotions, these conflicting ideas, and you typically want to go back to where you're comfortable at, and, and, and you look for people and you look for sounding boards that will 
reflect what you want to hear in your perspective so you feel justified about um, doing the status quo, quo and not acknowledging that a problem does exist. And it's pretty hard, you know, when it comes to your health to acknowledge a problem exists. Uh, a few problems are outwardly visible. You know, if you're overweight or obese, you know, you outwardly can see that a person is carrying too much weight in a bad way. You can be carrying too much weight. It may be muscle, but um, if you're carrying too much weight in the form of excess adiposity or excess fat, you know, that is outwardly visible as well as some other um, metabolic disease that, that healthcare professionals are able to um, outwardly notice in a person that other people, the lay person may not know, but um, healthcare professionals can look and say, oh, okay, that person more than likely suffers from this particular disease, and this is based on outward um, appearance of that person. There's a big um, group of diseases. Actually, they are the most common chronic diseases, and they go by the name of silent killers. Why do we call them silent killers, you may ask? Huh? Because there is no outwardly visible signs um, or symptoms often time of these problems, and they go about ravaging the body as we go about our lives and, and you know, near complete um, ambivalence or, you know, ignorance of their existence, but we tend to have some early clues that are denied or that are overlooked because they conflict with what we want, what we believe. So especially with men, we're very guilty. We're commonly known to look past our health symptoms and health problems and ignore them until it's been advanced to a point where nearly nothing can be done about it. But um, these silent killers and these diseases that present themselves with few or, or no symptoms early on is a big reason that um, patients and people don't want to do the health change that's required because, hey, if you don't feel bad, why, do, why should I do something different? I don't feel bad. Why do I need to exercise more or eat? fewer calories and better quality food. I don't feel anything. Why do I need to take these pills that I've read the side effect profile on? And hey, by the way, one of these side effects says impotence, uh, erectile dysfunction. I don't want that. I'm not taking this pill. I don't feel anything that's wrong with me. Um, people unfortunately take this lack of symptoms as a definitive proof or as definitive proof that there is no problem yet again they are suffering from silent killers, which include serious diseases such as high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes. These diseases lead to worse things such as heart attack, stroke, problems with circulation in your legs and in, in the abdomen and the arms that do lead to disability and, and even death in extreme cases. So, um, this is some of the reasons, or this is one of the reasons why we find it hard, people find it hard to um, follow the advice of the healthcare professionals. And this leads to, you know, problems, you know, one I've kind of alluded to already, noncompliance. If you don't think there's a problem, you're probably not going to take the medications or adhere to the lifestyle changes that are, or the therapeutic lifestyle changes that are recommended, such as the healthy eating, such as increasing your activity levels. Um, and this noncompliance, this 
failure to follow your advised instructions and medication um, results in poor long-term outcomes. What is that? That's reduced quantity, meaning you going to live a shorter lifespan and quality, which means your life that you do live isn't going to be as fulfilling as it would have been if you would have followed those instructions. So reduce quantity and quality of life. And this leads to those secondary and tertiary effects I've talked about, which, you know, um, you become an unnecessary burden on your burden on your loved ones. We've all seen or have friends that we may be, um, the caretakers of our elderly parents or relatives. Some people are old, and that's you know understandable when you're old and, and you require more help because of your advanced age, but some people aren't as old as and, and shouldn't be in a point where they need care from their loved ones, and it's a result of their noncompliance with medical um, recommendations that have led to significant health issues, health problems um, that have, that have expedited their need for the loved one's help and um, consideration for their care. So how do we find ourselves or how do we get ourselves out of this potential problem or avoid this potential problem? You know, we need to look for windows of opportunity. What are these windows of opportunity? Um, we want to find these windows of opportunity to address our health before um, these silent killers are no longer silent before they cause a heart attack, a stroke, or a circulation problem. Um, that would be the best window of opportunity at the time of diagnosis when you first find out that you have one of these chronic diseases, that you're obese, or that you have high blood pressure, um, or that you have um, high cholesterol or diabetes. Another outward um, symptom or sign of a person with a chronic disease is a cigarette. You know, smoking is the number one cause of preventable death, you know, followed by obesity is the number two cause. So, you know, tobacco smoking, one of the hardest things to quit in my mind, you know. I've been in the inner cities. I've seen people hooked on drugs, hooked on cigarettes, and, and cigarettes are probably harder to kick than a drug habit. And I've seen people with severe, severe health consequences secondary to their cigarette smoking who just can't stop smoking. And it, it's a very, nicotine is a very addictive substance. So um, we want to, again, find our um, opportunity to change if possible before our silent killer, you know, becomes no, no longer silent. Um, one of the more common um, windows of opportunity are periods where people are um, more subject to the idea of changing their lifestyle and, and becoming a, a more healthy and health conscious person is, you know, when that disease has become loud and has um, announced itself as now causing problems. And this is typically um, a time when a person has been hospitalized or um, had a significant um, experience related to their, their disease. And this is a, a good window of opportunity to get that person to change and to adapt, rather to adopt a healthier way of living um, and, and to adhere to those recommendations from their um, healthcare professionals. Um, so like I said, those are basically the two windows you want of opportunity, either before that silent killer becomes noisy or you, after that silent killer has made some noise. You, 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 those are our windows of opportunity to change. Once you are 
dead and gone. That window of opportunity has opportunity has been lost. So we definitely want to invest in our health um, preferentially before nothing appears to be ailing us. And um, in worst case scenario, once we get that first warning, we want to take that seriously and um, go from there. Again, when there's no um, outward symptoms, you know, from your blood pressure, from your cholesterol, from your diabetes, it can be often hard to remember to take your medication. So you have to be um, very vigilant in adhering to these medication regimens um, to prevent the secondary effects, the, the, the damage in, and to the body and to the systems that can lead to disability and death. Well, now that I'm done talking about that, let's talk about some very healthy people. The, I mentioned that we're going to kind of look at some people, and based on their outward appearance, we're going to assume that they probably are healthy because they look darn good on the outside. And um, the first person I would like to say, damn, she's healthy, is um, Gabrielle Union Wade. She's an athletic and active woman whose her career was even catapulted by her portrayal of a cheerleader in a 2000 film. And she now in 2019 is being featured in Gatorade commercials. So what does that tell you about the way she's kept herself up over the years? She's about my age, so she's still very young, but I was surprised to find out I'm only a few days older than her. Um, she's a 47-year-old, you know, movie star turned activist. She's married to an NBA all-star, and all you have to do is look at her pictures, and you can tell she is very health conscious. You know, she has an Instagram account that shows and, and displays her commitment to her health and well-being, and it outwardly shows when you take a look at the beautiful Gabrielle Union. Um, one of her quotes, which I found to be quite um, a powerful quote and, and resonates with what we're talking about today from her is, I can't just say one time of the year, I'm gonna do something different. I have to commit to a lifestyle behavioral change and try to be a little bit better today than I was yesterday. She's taking baby steps, y'all. And those baby steps have brought her to where she is today. The same way you need to start taking some baby steps and the same way they can take you to where you need to be tomorrow. Again, this is Sean Fit 50 signing out. Peace and love.